Hey, hey, friends. Welcome to the Spark, Honey, and Flames amazing podcast for all things love, dating, and relationships. I am your host, Melissa Hirschman, and I am joined by my trusty colleagues, Amy Love, matchmaker extraordinaire, and Rebecca Bell, dating therapist. Hey, hey, hey. And our executive producer of all things magic, Joanna Madden. Salutations. We have got a great show on tap for you today, so grab yourself a cup of coffee, a cup of tea, cozy up, and uh, we can't wait to have you join us for some good conversation. We have got a great episode for you today, I would like to think, anyway. um, We are today going to be talking about narcissism. And the role that this character trait, this personality characteristic can play in your life and specifically in your relationships. So to get us started, Rebecca. Yes. Thank you. I require (laughs) validation. You see how I did that? I'm at your service. That's what we like the best. Uh, So why don't you give us a definition of what narcissism is so our our listeners can kind of get an idea of what we're what we're talking with what we're dealing with all right so a a really simple well i consider it simple definition of narcissism is a over preoccupation over preoccupation with ourselves or being perceived overly desirous of the praise or admiration of others to the extent that it negatively impacts our relationships so they're, they're obsessed with themselves. Yes. Okay. Overly. I'm overly obsessed with Overly themselves. obsessed. Overly because, obsessed. Because, you know, sometimes it's okay to be a little obsessed with ourselves. Well, isn't that what confidence is? I would say so. I mean, isn't a, isn't a healthy level of confidence feeling competent and of value to yourself? Mm-hmm. Right? So even our best characteristics can kind of go off the rails a little right. bit. So it sounds maybe like narcissism could be confidence- run wild well narcissism we need to understand from the get-go is on a spectrum Mm. right like all personality traits all personality traits are on a spectrum like someone who can be described as shy is mildly shy moderately shy or severely shy Mm -hmm. so narcissism is kind of the same way right so we're looking at i think what we're going to be talking about today right is when narcissism becomes Grandiose. Grandiose. It becomes overly... um, Driving the train of the being. (laughs) It drives everything that they do. Right. And the aspects of their relationship. It's an impairment to their, as we therapists like to say, it's an impairment to their social functioning, their social relationships, their romantic relationships. Okay. So why don't we, so let's start out by maybe identifying how, well, how, how does it start? Like, so how, how did, right. So we can't look at the person and and the person doesn't Mm -hmm. exist only in a vacuum of this moment in time Mm -hmm. and space. So there are many different developmental, I guess, stages that might happen before the person becomes a grown up human in a relationship with another human. Mm -hmm. So what I've read about narcissism and maybe, you know, is that it starts kind of in early childhood. Like one of the things that I read that I really enjoyed is that narcissists are essentially created by their parents. Mm-hmm. So parents are primary caregivers. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. They, that's great clarification. Parents are primary caregivers. And so the idea though, is when the child is constantly being told 
you are better than others. Like it's kind of a belief that we are better than others, right? And so that might begin with being told, oh, you're better than little Timmy. Look at how much better you did at your spelling test than they did. Look at how much better you played than all the other kids. It's not being told the kid or the child is perfect in their own right. It's Mm -hmm. being told they're better when compared to somebody else. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about how that might extrapolate over our relationships, imagine going through life with that mentality. Oh, I was told and validated and groomed Mm -hmm. to believe that I was always better than you, right? Mm -hmm. Or I was better than other person over here. So how might that show up in childhood and then maybe in our early adulthood and then maybe start showing up in our as we try to form intimate, healthy relationships with other people. Mm-hmm. Can I add to that? Yes. Is it possible, though, that narcissism is also created in an abusive household where a child doesn't have these things? 100%. And feels that they lost out on what they deserved mm-hmm. to such an extreme? Because... Um, yeah, that that I just I think that 100%. that also because sometimes as validating households, the over parenting almost you know uh, to the extreme. I don't know. I, I hate to blame parents all the time, but at the same time, I mean, is this something you're born with or is it created, Rebecca? Yeah, I mean, you know? I mean what we, we people you know know or behave in ways that were modeled to them mm-hmm. or maybe weren't modeled to them, mm-hmm. right? So it's not that it's this Pollyanna kind of outlook on life. However, people are doing what they think is best at that time. 100%. You know? Um, or is it sometimes they know that what they're doing isn't good, right? But if if a person is on the far end of the spectrum of, of narcissism, narcissistic personality traits and this is what we're talking about like narcissistic personality disorder they actually do not know that they have a disorder so they don't know that it's a problem therefore they believe that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing makes sense they rarely get help they rarely get hurt help so they they don't have right the concept that what they're doing is not okay so therefore they think that what they're doing is okay so if you take it from that frame, that lens, right, of, okay, so are, are people born with this? Is it, does it come from their environment? I mean, that's the nature versus that's nurture. A it's a hard one to detangle because, you know, when you're, when you're looking at narcissistic personality disorder, you know, is it passed down from generation to generation? Well, um, it in, be and it becomes beha- part of the DNA. And it also becomes behavioral. Absolutely. Right. So like to your point and then to your point too, Amy, like these behaviors are modeled. And mm-hmm. so in the scenario where the child maybe is screaming for attention and that's where they develop those narcissistic right. traits, you know, you can think about narcissism as a way of control. It, it's a mechanism of control. For sure. And so for folks that have a lack of stability growing up, mm-hmm. that desire to control the environment manifests in you got it. as many different ways as there are people, mm-hmm. right? Like, so we all have our different ways mm-hmm. of creating these boundaries and this structure in our it's, lives. It becomes right? a means of survival. 100%. 100%. Right? So you think about the child that has a parent that is uh, absent, absent, right? Or a caregiver, a caregiver. Mm-hmm. So maybe we'll be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you for the correction mm-hmm. earlier, by the way. I really appreciate mm-hmm. that. 
So a caregiver that is absent or caregivers that are narcissists themselves and the only way that child gets affirmation or attention or interaction is by look at me, look at me perform, look at me do the thing, look at me over here, you know, look at right. me, look at me, look at me. And we might think that child is just attention seeking, but really that child is starving for affection, affection mm-hmm. or right. Mm-hmm. And so then the child is also being told, you know, oh, quiet down. You're not enough. Be, you know, stop it. You know, act like your quiet sibling over there or something like this. Then you, the whole interaction of siblings too is like its own, probably that would be its own separate episode. Oh gosh, yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, the idea of the narcissistic young person just trying to create a sense of stability and security and maybe as adults, you know, the recognition, we don't realize that we carry those traits forward. Mm-hmm. Right. To your point, because a narcissist isn't going to say, you know what? I think I'm a little too full of myself these days. Mm-hmm. Let me go. Let me go talk to Rebecca mm-hmm. and see what I need to do to be less amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it, the isn't going to happen. Yeah. Absolutely. But really, that personality trait is also hiding a lot of insecurity, right? From not getting needs met as a young person, maybe you know, and and so many other things. But essentially, whether or not a parent or a caregiver is overly. Mm-hmm. Overly, what do we want to say? Like uh, giving their children um, maybe overly validating, or overly o- validating and a projection of the parents' own sense of yeah to the sense. other end of the spectrum, which is zero, right? right? Void, none. Um, essentially, it comes from lack of attunement mm-hmm. to correct the actual reality of that child, right? Which is a child does a lot of wonderful, cute things, and children also do a lot of not-so-cute things, right? Well, then it wouldn't be true validation relief coming from a positive place. Right. It is an unhealthy, you know, household. So the child might be receiving validation in front of others only because they are doing and mirroring what the parent, unhealthy parent or caregiver is wanting them to do. And they're, Mm -hmm. like, not doing what they want to do. I think of, like, I know I'm going to age myself, but Dead Poet Society about the the mm-hmm. boy in that that wanted to be an actor and it didn't follow along what his father wanted him to do, um, but he was very validating with everything that he w- wanted him to do. Mm-hmm. So yeah, well, and I think it's interesting too to t- you know none of these personality traits exist in a vacuum, and so there are traits that we are born with or we have the predisposition for. And then there's the environment that we're in that brings out, you know, it's like I think about a very concrete example, you know, let's say you've got two relatively tall parents Mm -hmm. and they have a relatively tall offspring, you know, that that child has the predisposition to be really, really tall. However, if that child doesn't, isn't nurtured, isn't touched, you know, and it it Mm -hmm. hugged and gets a lot of snuggle time and tummy time, isn't sent outside to play, isn't fed well, you know. The, what the predisposition is may not actually manifest. Come to fruition. Right. So <clears throat> it's like we have the like the canalization to figure out, you know, to, to go down the path. But it just really depends on the environment. So in your case, you know, the kid that's talking, that's not getting the validation that they need, you know, for some kids that might, it, it just might manifest differently. You know, whereas a kid that's got a lot of, a lot of energy and a lot of whatever, you know, the parents, some set of parents might, oh, just relax, calm down. Whereas the other parents are great. Let's channel all that into sports. Let's channel all that into hobbies. Let's, 
So it really just depends on, right. on the dynamic. And then they grow up. Yeah. And then they enter relationships. And they learn healthy regulation. And what do they look Hopefully. like in relationships? Right. right. What, does what do they look, look like, like in dating? Right. You're, you're at dinner mm-hmm. and you slowly look up and realize, holy shit, <laughs> I'm dating a narcissist. Okay. So what I want to, uh, what I want to point out here, right, is that we can inappropriately or overly use this label of narcissist versus a person with strong traits of narcissism, right? Yeah. 100%. I would love to hear more on that, Rebecca. Yes. <laughs> so it, it reminds me of um, just a little plug to our LGBTQ plus community, right? Where we say a transgender and that's, that's old. We don't say that any longer. If we ever thought that that was appropriate to say, we say a transgender person. And so that's kind of how I think of terms in how we use the, the word narcissist, right? Because we're labeling this person a narcissist as if that's all they are as if that's all they are but they're actually and maybe you do think that's all they are which is completely you know your experience however girl we are full on seven layer dip this is this is not just a scoop of sour cream like we are we are people are complex very complex (laughs) and different relationships bring out could possibly bring out different dynamics you got it ideas about control play in establishing security right plays in right and by the time we're adults, all of these patterns have marinated. You got and it. So they're very, they come out in a bunch of different ways. So. You got it. Okay. So anyway, just wanted to make that point, but getting back to what does a person who has strong traits of narcissism look like when you're sitting across the table at them at your first date? Has anybody had an experience with that? <laughs> Jump in. <laughs> an experience with realizing that you're dating a narcissist? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that I've had a full-on relationship with a narcissist, but I've definitely dated folks who I think I was like, oh, wow, they are really cocky. Mm-hmm. Like, they are really cocky. And if I don't validate that, mm-hmm. and I look at, so what I tend to do now is I look at my own behavior in relation to the person that I'm dating, mm-hmm. right? How does it make me feel? How does it, how does my body react or respond, right? right. How do I, do I feel comfortable? Do I not feel comfortable? Do I feel safe? Do I not feel safe? So I think that if I'm in a situation where I feel like I'm constantly having to, no, yes, you did a great job. Yes, that you are, you are definitely the best. Nobody cuts up that kale salad like you do. Like, <laughs> way to rock the things out and validate. I, I feel like that would just become really tiresome. Right. You and know? then, yeah, so you're going to, you're get, those are all things, Thank right, you. to look out for, be conscious to, right? And then the other side is they seem to lack signs of empathy or vulnerability. Yeah. Lacking right. empathy. They, they may and be a little bit shallow or selfish or controlling. Controlling. The conversation never really becomes about you, mm-hmm. perhaps, right? They're like not really all, listening. Are they making eye contact with you or do their eyes kind of glaze over when you do start talking about yourself? And they make demands um, about, you know, controlling the things that you do. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to mention that to the narcissist, to, to somebody who exhibits really strong narcissistic mm-hmm. tendencies, every relationship is really just either a mirror or an extension of them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So to the narcissist, well, very, I don't want to say always, but I'll say very often. So to the narcissist, my romantic relationship 
right? If I'm, if I'm the narcissistic person in the relationship, then my romantic relationship is I want her to look good. I want her to sound good. I want her to, you know, other people to be like, oh my God, like, look at this amazing human that Melissa scored, right? Mm -hmm. So it's just an extension of me. And so I'm trying to control that. So am I really interested in the other person? Right. Only to what's relevant to me. Mm -hmm. So I think it's important to, there's not really anything the person that is dating the narcissist is, they're not going to un-narcissist the person. It's going to be this, this interplay, this dynamic. Right. And that's an important piece, I think, to recognize, right, that um, a, there is a susceptibility or there's a spectrum to how susceptible you are mm -hmm. to being bait. <laughs> is that a fair <laughs> word to use? It is. Or let's say vulnerable, vulnerable to someone who has very strong personality traits of narcissism mm -hmm. and it and it oftentimes presents in um being naive and young based people with narcissistic tendencies will oftentimes find people that they can control that are younger that look up to them that's yeah one um possible scenario that's seen and and you know controlling weight what they wear um conversation what they look like are just beginning stages of really getting and entering into an unhealthy relationship with someone with narcissistic personality disorder or on the spectrum of it mm -hmm. um you know and and not being heard talking to someone and then they don't even like they don't even know what you love they don't even know what you like um oh and and there's they just flash in the pan, right? They're so charming and they, they get people in because they're big salesmen. They're like, you know, the big, uh, or woman or women, people. you know? Yeah. People, people, salespeople, they just, you know, they're, they are the life of the party. Mm -hmm. They're, they, they're funny. They can, um, talk to anybody mm -hmm. and it, it fades very quickly once they become on your side. Mm -hmm. So they're very gregarious and, and that's, I mean, that's not saying that everybody, you know, but th that's the spectrum also that we're talking about, that everyone has narcissistic personality traits mm -hmm. because sometimes in this world you have to have them to be successful dependent on the type of work that you're in. I mean, right. we're a little narcissistic thinking that people want to listen to us. Right. Right. Well, you know. I had you all take the narcissistic personality inventory. Yes. <laughs> and the narcissistic personality inventory is an assessment tool that was mm, developed in 1979, I believe. And this is just a way for us to see how we scale on the narcissism spectrum. So are we ready to like... I'm so ready. Un Unveil, I mean, reveal our scores. Let's, I was hoping we'd wait till the end of the episode and close it down with that. But okay. Let's, let's knock it right on. So um, let's see here. Who uh, who scored the lowest, do we think? Um, who is the, has the least amount, amount of, of narcissism? Yeah. I, I would go say Joanna. Joanna yeah, amazing Joanna, Joanna definitely scored a, a six on the scale. Yeah. And... and this scaling goes from zero to 40. 
All right. <laughs> so do you know anything about the score? And maybe we can talk about this online, but do you know yeah. anything about the scoring? Cause I'd love to, as a, as a researcher, I'd love uh-huh. to talk with you about the accuracy. Well, about the reliability, <laughs> the reliability of, of the score, the consistency yeah. of those scores. Okay. Because as a, I would just love to chat about that. Yeah. We can do that offline for sure. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, but for now, we're going to enjoy the, the yeah, novelty enjoy of these I'm numbers. All I'm all about it. All right, so next, we had someone score at a seven. Who followed Joanna with a seven? Amy did. Oh. Yeah. God. Yeah. Nice. Does that surprise you? That, I mean, no, but I'll tell you why in a minute. Tell but, me. No, the, I'll, I'll wait. the next highest score at 11 <laughs> was Melissa. What? Oh, Little Lucky number that. 11. Lucky number 11. I love it. And the highest score we had <laughs> on this, this Is our assessment. Is Yeah, our esteemed uh, expert, dating expert. The most amazing dating expert. Ever. The biggest and best <laughs> dating expert like you've ever like seen. Yeah, 11.3. 16. Oh, what? Yes. And, you know, surprisingly enough, um, I was so I was so happy to, to read this, and it's totally reliable, Melissa. Do not burst my bubble on this, is that the average population falls in the mid-teens. Yeah. So, you oh. know. I like it. My wife will be happy to know I didn't score like a, you know. 35. No, she'll, no. she'll be surprised <laughs> yes. that it was only a 16, yes. but here we are. I like it. I like it. Yeah. Okay. I like it. So to our esteemed listeners out there, I mean, there are tons of resources available where they could like take a little inventory and mm-hmm. see where they stand. Slip your partner in inventory and just like subtly work these questions into conversation. There you go. So do you <laughs> enjoy prefer to be validated on the outside or on the inside so but speaking about validation i think so all the the lists of things that we were talking about looking good you know controlling a partner's weight controlling all these things it's really all about validation for the narcissist right because that's kind of what they thrive mm-hmm. on is people is is the, the validation that they get because at their core they lack it that's right so when you think about it like that it's really kind of sad Mm-hmm. Not sad. I don't want to say sad, but it gives you a little more insight into the person, and right. it re- it might remind the person that's in a relationship with the narcissist that it's not personal, mm-hmm. right? It's so all so all of the critique and all of the criticism they might be receiving and all of that. It first of all, to the narcissistic person, they might have seen that modeled growing up where maybe their family of origin was very much like, why aren't we better than the Joneses? Mm -hmm. You know, let's cut, we don't wait in line. Like let's cut to the front of the line. I'm not going to wait for this thing. And those behaviors, you know, I, your children, children are always listening. They're always watching. Oh yeah. And so this idea that again, it go, you know, we are better than others, not that we're great in our own right, but that we are better than others, I think is powerful. And it gives you some insight into the person. And so we stop taking it, we stop taking it quite so personally, you know, where you see if you're really being criticized by a narcissist, it's not about you and the behavior mm-hmm. that you're exhibiting. It's about the person as, mm-hmm. as much as is all behavior, mm-hmm. always about, well, 99% of the time mm-hmm. it's about the person. I so. just, I want to point out possibly that in a narcissistic possible situation that's unhealthy that it might be dangerous to humanize on the way of explaining 
away somebody's origin of narcissism, how they became narcissistic. Because if it's dangerous to you, if it's bad for you, if it's unhealthy for you, for you to sit there and say, well, they're that way because of X, you stand to possibly give up your own like freedom in that relationship by being able to leave. Mm-hmm. I agree. I'm not saying you should yeah. stick in there and justify. I mean, just because I know how the sausage is made, it doesn't mean I want to eat sausage. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's that's all I just wanted. 100%. Because we were talking about transgender person. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes, you know, what would be completely separate in this scenario would a narcissist, mm-hmm. we could say, would help us leave if we did label that unhealthy person for us that mm-hmm. because we are making that move. We have to dehumanize on that level. Well, yeah. And the yeah. other thing too, I would say to that is that you don't want to, I mean, right. So it's not like we want to, okay, well, you're being a narcissist right now. What a narcissist craves is like the volley. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. It's a way to exert control. Control. And so if, as soon as you withdraw that control by either withdrawing yourself, right. Or withdrawing the argument, it's like you've, you've given nothing to, you, there's nothing for them to do. And so they're just, you know, they're, they're, these characteristics and these tendencies are just kind of like without a home. So yes, no, I am not saying, and we are not saying stick in there. Absolutely not. And w- what I want to say is what you can do if you find yourself, I got some tips here. If you find yourself in a relationship with someone on the extreme end, right, of narcissism or n- narcissistic personality disorder, um, number one, educate yourself. Number two, don't idealize your partner. Um Three, clearly communicate how their actions affect you. Very simply put, clearly communicate, but you're not going into where this came from, how you came about these traits, which is what you're speaking to, Amy. Um, Four, set clear boundaries. Mm -hmm. Five, don't internalize hurtful comments, which is what you were speaking to, Melissa, Um, which is hard to do, right? When they're attacking you, your character, or they're in this power play, essentially is what's happening. Yeah, and also if you think about the kind of person maybe that that might attract Mm -hmm. a narcissistic tendency person, Mm -hmm. usually maybe somebody that's really agreeable, kind of vulnerable, maybe that those behaviors, kind of like what you were speaking to, Amy, like somebody that maybe isn't a, to view like like a, differential position, right? Maybe there's a power play going on. So yeah. Get your own therapist. Oh, get your own therapist. Prepare ahead of time if you choose to leave. So here are the warning signs that you need to leave. There's physical abuse, verbal abuse, threats of violence, right? There has been violence or there's threats of violence. But they threaten to hurt themselves if you leave. Yes. Emotional abuse, verbal abuse, physical and sexual abuse. So these are all reasons to strongly um, consider leaving. And can we put something on our website about getting help if someone finds absolutely themselves. absolutely yeah um getting help on on uh, resources that are available to you if you're choosing um to leave a relationship some other healthy si- um warning signs too these are the flags early on um feeling isolated from your friends or family oh yeah doubting your self-worth having a difficult time enjoying activities feeling fearful to be yourself or act in a certain way, right? When you're around them and frequently feeling guilty for expressing your opinions or needs. 
Okay. So these are all kind of some of those early red flags that happen in dating. Yeah. Um, dating. So I'm just thinking, so if I'm in the beginning stages of dating somebody, mm-hmm. let's say I've just met okay. somebody and they are, I, I really, you know, enjoy, they're very dazzling, right? Like a, like a person. Gregarious. Mm-hmm. You could maybe, you know, what are they, the, what are the, what are the kids? I'm using air quotes, but you guys can't see that, but I'm in the air quotes, wait, gaslighting. Maybe I know that there's like a lot of overlap with gaslighting in these tendencies, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, I, I didn't say that. No, I didn't. But anyway, mm-hmm. somebody comes on really strong. You really like them a lot. And then you start to see some of these red flags. Mm-hmm. So is there room in the, like, so as if I really like the person, is it worth it to me to, and I know you can't really answer that, but I guess maybe would you advise a client to maybe feel things out? I mean, are these red flags always going to be signs of narcissism or are they, I guess that none of these behaviors I, are really I think a healthy, red flag uh, mm-hmm. is there to put you on alert. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, we if it's, about red flags if, last week. Yep. Yeah. If it's a non-negotiable, then you can peace out right there. Sure. Yeah. With little, you know, th- there's not much you're giving up here. Um, if you've invested some time or whatever, then you might want to wait for the next red flag. The thing about it is, is if a narcissist person is on a certain end of the spectrum that is extreme, these red flags will come and come and come. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, where do you want to go? How long do you want to go down this road? Mm-hmm. Right. Like, do you, you know, <laughs> I mean, where's your self-care? Like, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you you know, let's say that you see some of these flags and so you start asserting yourself mm-hmm. by establishing boundaries and saying how it's okay for you to be treated. And if they respect that and you see some improvement, there you go. Then perhaps, you know, it's okay to continue on. Mm-hmm. But if it's this repeated, right, same behavior and pattern that's not getting any better. Mm-hmm. The respect of boundaries, I think, mm-hmm. is just the litmus test here. You say right. you've got it, you've got a red flag, you're showing up. Here's my boundary on that. And they ignore that. Mm. Yeah. Then it's then it's kind of on you. Yeah. You know, the the way that I describe these um signs that show up is kind of like the the lights that appear on your dashboard. If you have one of those cars, you know, sometimes now they're so computerized, but right. you know, it's this it's an indication, right? That, Hey, something needs attention. And if you get that thing that needs attention fixed or it's under better management, then the light goes away. But if it's something that's not getting the attention that it needs, right? The problem only gets worse. And, and then eventually the car doesn't run. The car doesn't run. <laughs> and you go nowhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but there are some positive um, narcissistic traits that are sure that are good for people that are in, like we kind of alluded to it earlier, um, certain types of occupations. Uh-huh. Um, so what would those traits possibly be? Or can we think of some? Well, I mean, just think about like, you know, when you're getting ready for your day and you look in the morning, uh, like you look in the mirror and you're like, God, I look good to go. This is a really good hair day for me. <laughs> Oh, the hair. You, you, know? have, you have those all the time, Rebecca. That's why you scored <laughs> so high. I feel, like, I feel like you have those all the time. I feel like you're just, you're validating that's why I scored yourself. High. But that's okay. That's why you got the 16. That's why I get a 16. That's at least five points of. But uh, I, I agree. I mean, I think that a healthy dose of confidence is really important. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I, there's something that I learned a long time ago from a, from a teacher. And I don't remember who the teacher was. So I'm sorry for not giving proper credit. But, you know, it was that, um, 
you know, kind of the world will see us, start to see us as we see ourselves. And so if I'm walking through my world with a sense of confidence and I'm, I'm showing the external world, hey, these are my boundaries, this is my safe space, this is how I treat and respect myself, then I'm kind of modeling to the world how I want to be treated and I'm modeling to other people how I want to be treated. So I think that that's really important, right? So if I'm stepping up and, and you know, talk about healthy confidence, if I'm stepping up and saying, yeah, like I, these are the, these are my boundaries for myself, separate from other people. This is what I do for myself. I get up, maybe I exercise or work out every day. I try to make that like a non-negotiable in my day. I try to eat well. I try to get the right amount of sleep. I try to take care of, I tr- maybe meditate. I try to take mm-hmm. care of myself. Then the more effort I feel like we put into us, the less likely we are to accept relationships that, put less effort in us right? or put less effort in because we're putting this work in. Mm-hmm. So I feel like confidence, if it's, if we're really doing the work to like develop it, then, it, and it's, and it's founded that way. It's a very powerful thing. And You're I not it, looking so much for external validation. Correct. Right. Yeah, Which correct. is essentially what someone with on the other side, other side of the of, spectrum is right. looking, they, they're relying on other people. That's right. To fill up their self-esteem cup. But if I'm doing the work of showing yes. up for myself and filling up my own cup, mm. then, you know, if I'm getting up and I'm doing those behaviors, there's a lot less wiggle room for other people to like throw me off my path or tell me that I'm not doing the thing. That's it. Because the, you know, the Melissa of 10 years ago might've heard the feedback. Oh, like I will never forget. Somebody said to me years ago when we were like, I had just started seeing this person. I liked her a lot. I was probably still a little codependent in my thinking at this time. And she made some comment to me as we were like doing the thing. And she's like, you know, I just, I can't be responsible for your happiness. And I was like, what? what? Well, screw you then. No, I was, no. But I took that feedback and I, I, it, it sticks with me because I think sometimes we give other people a lot of responsibility for how we feel. Mm-hmm. And the narcissist like thrives on that. So, you know, they, you're not going to have a good day unless they're, or the, person with narcissistic tendencies thrives on that. You're not going to have a good day unless they're having a good day. It's not interesting for you unless it's interesting for them. It's not relevant unless it's relevant to them. So I think the more we developed our, our sense of Mm -hmm. self, we we do develop some of that confidence. I think that's really great advice, Melissa. I do. Thanks. (laughs) I've like nothing to add. That was like really, I mean, when you're working on yourself, nobody can take over something that is, that is truly yours and sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that that's why some people get caught up in narcissistic type relationships that are unhealthy is because they haven't had the chance to figure out mm-hmm. who they are mm-hmm. and how much they're worth and I what guess their needs a, are. Yeah. That's right. You're worth it. You yeah. are worth that's right. a healthy relationship. That's right. That's Got right. it. Once you realize that, the time for excuses is done. You know, and it's like, you're like, no, I'm not going to let myself be treated this way anymore. Mm-hmm. Bah. Bah. Peace. <laughs> We're done. Yeah. Yeah. So. What else? Anything else we have to add? Like any, any, we've talked about some flags. We've talked about some exit strategies. We've talked about humanizing both parties in the relationship. So we talked about um, that, you know, narcissistic personality is on a spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. I wanted to be sure that we touch on what narcissistic personality disorder looks like okay because a lot of times we can label someone as having 
narcissistic personality disorder when they may not. They just may have really strong, a really strong personality of narcissism. So what you're talking about is the actual diagnosis of narcissistic personality, like something I would find in the DSM-4 or something I would find. DSM-5, yep, is our most recent one now, but yeah, for sure. Um, And so at least five of these characteristics need to be present for someone to meet the um, diagnosis of narcissistic personality disorder. So I just want to go through those um, to educate folks. So um, the first is a grandiose sense of self-importance. Second, preoccupation with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love. Third, a belief that they're special and unique. Four, a need for excessive admiration. Five, a sense of entitlement. Six, interpersonal manipulation tactics to achieve their own needs. Seven, a lack of empathy. Where am I? Eight. Eight. Arrogant, haughty behaviors and attitudes. H-A-W-T-Y so, haughty. as opposed haughty. to haughty. H-O-T-T-I-E, haughty. which is what we all are sitting on this table. <laughs> so haughty, haughty behavior. Haughty. Haughty behavior. H-A-U-G-H-T-Y, yeah. So at least um, five of those need to be present in order to meet the diagnostic diagnostic criteria interesting mm-hmm. interesting what an episode <laughs> i think we're going to put the test on the website too yeah yeah we'll make sure that we have the link for and that. we'll have a link for that and um yeah just pull that checklist out at your first date dinner yeah <laughs> just, i mean just, just just definitely just diagnose your your dating partner over hummus and pita I think that would be amazing <laughs> So let's talk about your grandiose ideas of your never-ending yeah. success. Just, you you developed those boundaries. Why don't you just write them down right now? What are your boundaries? Right. Or, are you, or, yeah. or you could just write them down for the narcissist and really throw them off. <laughs> Be like, well, you know what? Let me tell you what you're going to order for dinner, yeah. sir or ma'am, or whatever the case may be. Can I we get fix, it. You have great hair. Rebecca, Melissa, can we fix a narcissistic person that has the extreme possible disorder no because we can't fix anybody people have to fix themselves okay full stop yep also no people have to you know because what is the likelihood that somebody is a narcissist that that explain that displays these behaviors is actually going to be like you know what i think these behaviors are not serving me anymore right yeah that far into the spectrum again that's someone who qualifies for um NPD is more than likely, they don't even, it's so much a part of their personality, they don't even know that yeah. it's a, a, a problem, an issue. It reminds me of my cat. <laughs> it does, it reminds I me think of my cats. cat. So <laughs> when I first got my cat, he would be, like he likes to bite and play a lot. And so I was trying to research how to stop that behavior, right? I mean, the playing I love, but the biting, like I was not trying to have that. Yeah. Love and bites. And one of the things that, the, that I learned was that the best way to do that is to withdraw the stimulus. Mm. And I feel like it's similar with a narcissist, somebody with narcissistic behavioral tendencies. You don't want to argue with them. You just withdraw. Remove yourself. Yeah. You're not going to convince them otherwise. Nope. Right. It's like arguing with a drunk person. If you've mm. ever done that, like nope. it just never gets anywhere. It's good times. Next time. Right. <laughs> so anyway, well, that's great. I feel like we have learned so much. And since this is all about me and my learning, um, as the, the medium you're score, the smartest, the smartest on the 11, uh, I think it's time to wrap it up. Right. Let's do it. Yep. So, Thanks for joining us, friends, and we look forward to talking to you again. And have a have a wonderful rest of your day, and stay confident, but like not too confident. <laughs> Perfect. Hey, Sparkies! Mirror, mirror on the wall. 
who's the vainest of them all? Do you often catch your partner admiring their own reflection for extended periods of time? Is your partner rivaling Dr. Evil in their quest for success? Or maybe your partner is a bit of a Karen. While a healthy self-esteem and quest for success are great, keep an eye out for people who display strong signs of the narcissistic personality. If you think you may be dating a narcissist, here are some helpful tips for you. First of all, educate yourself. The more you know about the narcissistic personality disorder, the better prepared you will be at spotting the signs. Don't idealize your partner. Just because they think they're better than everyone else doesn't mean that they are. And if the relationship ever becomes abusive, make a plan to leave and then do it. If you need help leaving an abusive relationship, you can find links to resources on our podcast website, which is located in the episode description. As my Aunt June used to say, y'all come back now, you hear?